0: Welcome back guys to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I with me today, Chris Kologi, where we met back in Coaching Con just a few weeks ago when we were in Arizona. Um, I've, however, been learning a little bit from her as she is now um, part of NCI and I'll let her talk a little bit more about her role with Nutritional Coaching Institute as she introduces herself, but Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Chasey for having me on. Yeah. Um, excited to be here and excited to talk a little bit for sure. You know, coming in from NCI and like I was saying earlier to you, just getting to watch new coaches kind of blossom and bloom through their their whole process of learning and then go out there and make an impact in the world has been fantastic from my side. So it's always great to get to hear more about what brought a coach into their role, you know, their background and everything and um, and how they want to go out there and make an impact. And then, bring in my story as much as I can to help inspire that in whatever way possible.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I bet that is really, I didn't really thought about it that way as far as like from your all side of the table, seeing all these coaches. And like you said, coming from all different backgrounds, like everyone has their story of why they became a coach. And so I think that's probably really cool for you to now see all the coaches that come through NCI and, you know, you're teaching all these different things and all from different backgrounds. They all come from different like educational backgrounds, but also like workforce backgrounds. It's just, it's, I bet it is so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Cause like, especially everyone in NCI comes from a coaching background themselves, usually in some capacity, right? It was a, mm-hmm. it was a passion or a strength or a job or something that they fell into and loved. So then, you know, coming in and getting to share that and whatever part of it, they were kind of strong in and most interested in, and then bringing that out to others who have, like you said, their own systems, their own diverse backgrounds. And it's kind of cool also in somewhat of a selfish way, I'd have to admit that you know, as you know, as a coach, the satisfaction of helping someone and having a client come to you and, and get results and get progress and the ups and the downs is so rewarding. So when you get to sit there and say, okay, now I get to help another coach find that system and that that machine that's going to help them impact more. It's, it's like the, you know, this blossoming effect, right? That you now branch out to know that that coach is going to go help a bunch of people. And it's cool because you know that maybe you're never going to reach a certain population, right? Like you don't, that's Thing about coach, so you have your ICA, you have those folks that are going to resonate with you. I'll never resonate with a certain population, but if I can help give someone the education side that they can go resonate, then like in some proxy way, we've all together been able to touch even more people, and I think that's just really exciting and really cool, and makes me just so stoked every time I get to meet a new coach who's capable and passionate because I know they're going to go out there and reach a whole bunch of people that I never would have gotten to touch on my own, and hopefully I have some part like helping them do that. So. That's kind of, yeah. I think from our side, that's probably what drives, it makes it really exciting.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so how did you even get into all this? Like, how did you become (laughs) in this role? Like, where did you start?
1: (laughs) That's always such a question that I'm like, God, where did I start? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, okay. Very originally we'll go to the way back when, so I am I've always been an academic. I've always loved school. I've always loved studying. Um, very sort of philosophical and learning was always something I loved alongside that. So it was sport and movement. Um, always kind of was fascinated by it. Found my happy place when I was doing a sport, when I was active. Um, and then, so it was like study gym, study gym. You know, that was pretty much my life. <laughs> I went to, I went to college and I studied neuroscience because I was fascinated with the brain and I was fascinated with, I think how we perceive the world and, and interacted with it um, and during that time though my escape from everything was always still sport so I kind of convinced myself into a path of a career to go to medical school um, ultimately I got very close to going to medical school and then I backed out for the lot very pretty close to a last minute okay. <laughs> decided to go to graduate school you know the automatic default okay you're going to be a doctor somehow <laughs> So let's go do a PhD. So I got into research um, and again, it was, it was fascinating. I loved it. I loved learning about the human body and physiology and especially the brain. Uh, I ended up going to graduate school um, and got my master's in biomedical sciences. But again, everything was always pulling me more and more towards what I loved every time I wasn't studying. And it just became more and more part of my life. And that was my health and my fitness which had hit some bumps past the years too. So, you know, the more I learned to kind of save myself, the more I became fascinated by it. Um, and and that's a whole rabbit hole in a story in itself. But basically, you know, the roundabout thing is I still stay in this academia. I realized that I maybe didn't want a Ph.D., but I thought, well, maybe I'll just go get another graduate degree in exercise science because that satisfies this. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, and it was it, I've been in incredible academic situations, learned from amazing people, done some really cool work. Um, but again, everything kept pulling me towards what I really loved, which was that immediate feeling and experience of movement and sport and the fascination of you know eating well and treating your body well, because I slowly began to realize that your, your body was just, it's your vessel to the world. So if it's not happy and your mental state is not there, just life was, the meaning wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short of that is. I'd always been casually coaching, um, personal training, casually, casually kind of coaching about. And as I started to get more and more the reality during my second round of graduate school that I was happiest when I was doing that. um, That's when I actually stepped aside and found NCI by proxy. I'd been a follower of Jason and you know a few other of these sort of communities for a long time, and I realized that that was probably what I needed to do. So I went all in with NCI as a student first, Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, so I. Uh, I stepped away from my academic studies and I came in as a student and then very quickly just was blown away by what they were doing. And I was just like, oh, and kind of like we talked about the beginning, I was like, they're reaching out and helping so many coaches find a path that they can find success and make an impact. And it was kind of like one thing led to another right place, right time. Uh, The education side started growing. Andrew Gerritsen, our director of education, Uh, started really expanding the program and building it to a very robust and very great like education base. So I sort of just like slid right into his DMs and was like, do you need anyone with a super strong (laughs) academic background? Um, Just, I was at that point, it was like kind of again, right place, right time. Um, I was pretty much jobless except for a little bit of income from a few clients I'd started gathering and kind of I think seeking that outlet and that mix of my love of coaching and my skill set of academics and background in, you know, just studying and knowledge and science. Um, and it ended up working out. So as such, I joined in NCI and then that's, yep, that's how you saw me on the education side.
0: That's awesome. Good for you. That well, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's, really incredible and something to be super proud of. Um, you mentioned earlier, did you say something like this, The this knowledge kind of like saved you, so to speak, like from like your own personal journey? I mean, like, I'm just wondering yeah. if you would mind sharing a little more about that. And you said it's kind of another rabbit hole, so to speak, but like, but but I'd be curious, you know, maybe others could resonate with that as well. Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, it's actually, and interestingly, I'm not sure I've spoken out loud much about it. So we'll see how I stumble the hell through this story. Um, it's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, who knows? So, I mean, it, you know, and again, it especially if you're in the NCI community, a lot of folks may understand and come from different backgrounds of having, driven themselves into the ground sometimes in pursuit of a goal, especially a physical goal that it's so backwards and so kind of ridiculous that the more you did thinking you were improving, you're actually like, do you swear on your podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I <was wondering>, yeah, <laughs> Basically the, the, the more you were driving to it, the more you were just fucking yourself over. And mm-hmm. so basically that was me. So I was an endurance athlete um, and I loved it and I was good at it. I was a pretty fast runner, a pretty okay swimmer, but I could swim for a long time. So I naturally was like, I'll get a bike and do triathlon. Sure. Okay. Well, one thing rolls into another and these sort of moderate distance things turn into the four hours a day where you're spending several hours on the road, doing something in the pool. Right. And just it snowballed and snowballed. And it was my escape because honestly, I think that I was still trying to figure out who I was in college. I was a very strong academic, but I had my identity as an athlete or someone who could do sports. And It was like this constant battle of what I expected myself to be and what I really wanted to be doing and not knowing again, the physiology side of it and not understanding the need for recovery and rest and everything. And, and with like, you know, a mentality in a sport that's very go, go, go. When you are spending miles and miles, especially you're looking at the longer distances of an endurance sport. I drove my body straight into the ground, like, you know, just that rock bottom (laughs) and I basically through all that lost what I loved the most. Like my body was broken and I still try to do things, but it hurt like things where I was not recovered. And that's, you know, down to the physiology side, like my tendons, my muscles, nothing was recovering well, because I had fucked everything up through this extreme endurance idea that I was weaker than I'd ever been. And I couldn't do what I wanted. Like I wanted to just go move and that would scare me because the movement would hurt, which would make me think that I wouldn't be able to move later. And, you know, and we're talking about, we were talking about going for runs, going for swims, going for bike rides. So that it was like, you know, again, it was just self-defeating prophecy. And it started to make me really want to know why is this happening? So I delved more and more into, again, the biology behind it and also the neuroscience why I reacted this way and um, started to just learn and, and bring myself up. And through that, I found some escapes that became very grounding. So I started rock climbing actually in college, when I eventually, again, like I I couldn't run, I, I couldn't swim my shoulders, my knees, shit was just going wrong. So I started slowly into more of a strength training. And then I got into more movement sports. So rock climbing, following again, more like calisthenics ideas. And that started me down this journey of really wanting movement to be my expression in the world. It was just artistic to watch people who could move well. And so along with that sort of shift in the way I was training and the way I was approaching life, I also, just started learning more and more about nutrition, about you know hormones, about fueling your body, and then about the nervous system and how that integrates into the ability to move and to interact with the world, and that just became such a passion and a fire that it started to make sense. And even things that like didn't, click, you know, I just I started to find reason to what I needed, and that calmed down a lot of that. I think idea of you need to escape something because I was no longer escaping anything. Like things were aligning my in my life, my goals and my passions and everything was aligning. Um, but I think that 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 cycle of hit a little bit, because those bumps happened again in my life. And I think when my life was thrown out of sync, so I was no longer doing what I was really passionate about or goal, I would drive myself a little bit into the ground, even though I knew better. And it was so it's just again, it's like, I don't know why I still don't know why. <laughs> but um for a while through that, and everything, I think that for whatever reason, there comes a point and maybe maybe you can resignate some coaches there's a little bit of an epiphany moment that you you wish you could explain but it's just things align and suddenly things click that you just get your shit together and find this sort of peace with where you're at and you start to enjoy the process and you don't have these expectations for the outcome and then it just your health follows that honestly so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't
0: know if that clicks for you at all, but. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I kind of made the connection of me, like, you know, when, you know, with, with my story of like the weight loss that I went through and everything, mm-hmm. I think where my like epiphany, so to speak, came from was when I stopped caring about what the scale was doing. And I more realized like, what else am I capable of? I mean, like, I mean, when I started, I mean, there was times where like literally like, my coach and I, we were just like, let's just stop focusing on the scale at all. Like stop weighing because it was already like really, start, I was just becoming obsessed over it. And he was like, let's just stop looking at that and like focus on your other goals. Like, what are you doing in the gym? But then, like, what other just like really cool things are you able to do? Like, I went skydiving yeah. last year. I went like, oh, I, was, like I was doing like all these amazing hikes and stuff, like some out in Colorado. Things that I could never have done when when I was that overweight, you know, it was four hundred pounds. And yeah. so, like, there were all these things that I couldn't do, but now I'm capable of. And so that was that was when I like that when I was able to take that shift away from what's the scale doing? Like, I was always gonna focus. Is it going down? Is it going down? Is it going down? Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't Mm -hmm. going down, then I was not doing something right. And when I got away from that, that's when my kind of like epiphany light bulb moment was when I was able to like find like, okay, this is what I need to focus on, like my quality of life. And the things that I'm doing and experiencing in life, it's those moments that I'm going to get so much more out of than whatever the scale is telling me.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hundred percent agree. I think that's what, that's what happens is when you start to experience the world and you realize that that's, that's your, that's what you're going to leave behind, right? Like it's a finite amount of time. So to be present in your body, to give your body that, so what it can do, how you can experience the world, that's what you start to focus on. Yeah. It just, something follows that where you'll do anything to just preserve that. And it's, it's okay. and, And looks will follow that, you know, the scale weight will follow that your ability maybe, but I think that there is that emphasis that understanding the balance of everything, at least in the end, would hopefully prolong your ability to be present, right? Yes. I mean, your physical side is the only real thing that exists, right? It's the only reality, like our thoughts, our projections, you have no, you don't perceive me the same way that I perceive myself. No one does, right? It's mm-hmm. a very sort of philosophical cog idea, but in a way you think about it, what's real? Well, tangibly, my physical form is real. Like at least that is a, something I can express. So how I get to interact with the world, to play, to do stuff, you know, what I go to bed at the end of the day, thinking about what I did, not what I said or what I thought or what someone else thinks of me is always, I think pretty powerful. Um, and I think it's, it's very peaceful and it makes you, yeah, it makes you stop worrying about things like scale weight or having a six pack. <laughs> or, <you> know, <laughs> and, and it's funny. I mean, it's, it's funny because I think at one point, Even myself, I I was very lean when I did triathlon. I wouldn't say it was necessarily a good look, but it was very lean. I mean, for a girl to be very ripped like that, and it became an identity for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, what what are you chasing? (laughs) You know, what what is that? What are you chasing there? So, and what you're chasing is someone else's perception of you, which isn't real. So, yeah.
0: That right there, I think, is gonna resonate with a lot of people because. You know, and and I've asked that to certain clients before, like, who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for yourself? Or are you doing it for somebody else? And a lot of times, the look of your body is for someone else. And and not not that you can't want to look a certain way, but that deep-rooted cause of why you're wanting to look that certain way is for what others are going to think of you. And yeah. so I, I think that was a great point that you brought up. And a lot of people can, it's you know, some, something to think about, you know, if, if those of you are listening, like, just think about why are you reaching for these goals? Why are they important to you? And if you were only doing this for, for you and the rest of your life, what would you be focused on?
1: Yeah. Awesome. I, I think that's such a huge thing. I think for every goal too out there, whether it be your career, you know, your body, your pursuits, like it's, it's a reality check of who are you doing something for, you know, and, and then, you know, and, and understanding that only you at the end of the day is you, and you can have loved ones, you can have supporters and you can certainly try to work with other people in your life to, you know, you are going to right there, mm-hmm. people off each other and, you know, but doing something for someone else in the end, And I think at coaching con forget who was saying this, but that idea, I think it might've been um, Alex Hormozy was just talking about decisions But the idea, again, if you let someone else make a decision for you, it turns into regret and then it turns into, again, kind of anger towards that person, Mm -hmm. right? So you're not doing anyone's like favor. If you do think you're doing it for someone else, you're not doing them a favor because if it's not for you and you regret it later, you're going to be angry at them. And that that person's no longer going to serve as a light in your life, right? So I think that's a, it's a big sort of slap upside the head for a lot of people to understand that you know, there's a balance for sure, but you have responsibilities in the world to people to some extent, Yeah, but exactly. Those big things are you got to drive it yourself. It's got to be internal. It's got to be yep. intrinsic. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I agree. We well, you know, kind of pivoting here, I'm really curious to learn more about. You said you're like really into neuroscientists, and I and I think that's really neat. And yeah, I'm just I'm I'm curious, like why neuroscientists? Like, what is it about that in particular that you just love and like you really get into?
1: Well, if it wasn't clear from the last, like my very philosophical, like ethereal (laughs) thought process, I think I've always been fooled with that. And um, for me, I think there was something about understanding how that whole whole thing works. And I will also, so circling back into, let's say again, the sort of self-awareness side, I have to admit high school I don't know who was but I was fucking not self-aware like if I think back to that (laughs) shit I'm like I don't know what I was thinking so I kind of peg a lot of like things that I can actually build off of really starting in college time like I can think back, oh that makes sense why I thought that way high school is just a shit show so whatever (laughs) I mean sure it it builds up to it but like good god um but I remember coming into college and so another part of the background and one of the reasons that I did drive myself into the ground I would say is I do come from a very sort of like, I've never been clinically diagnosed with it, but I'd very much say if someone had put me into a diagnosis when I was young, I would be diagnosed with OCD hands down. I mean, I did very classic OCD rituals that left me during high school and then college. It wasn't really traditional, like OCD. Like I wouldn't wash my hands a hundred times or have to do, but those obsessive sort of compulsive rituals, which also made me to be honest, very good at driving myself to the ground. Cause you want to get somebody who's motivated, you know, quotes, air quotes, or like never dot, skips a day, take like an OZ person, right? Like that's not an option. You wake up and you do that's what you true. need to do. It's a compulsion. That's very so, true. <laughs> so I think that helps in that cycle, That my brain was very quick to lock onto things and to, again, obsess and then do a compulsive behavior. And with that comes this anxiety. And then I also have this ADD and ADHD really, because like I'm never sitting still and I'm all over the goddamn place. So I think all of those things together, there was this bit of a moment in college where I was like, I want to understand why the hell I think like this and what again is driving that. So there was a bit of a pursuit into understanding my own thought processes and you know, why is my brain the way it is? Why do I perceive things? And it was just that curiosity that snowballed one after the other that once you start learning about the brain, and I was very lucky. I was at the University of Washington in Seattle, who the neuroscience department there is brilliant and their undergraduate program is brilliant so they did all the right things to feed in this like fascination and you do you opens this this can of worms that you start to realize it's almost you know again like the particle of light you know light being the um particle versus wave and when you think about it it changes or like a schrodinger's cat you know you don't know if it's dead or alive unless you're looking at it Mm -hmm. so like the brain's this way the moment you start to think about like the brain you're thinking about your thoughts right? So are you changing your thoughts? And then where does consciousness even come into it? Because subconsciously, how are you processing it? So just that sort of tingling fascination of the fact that every millisecond, there's these processes happening in this big chunk of stuff on my head that allows me to exist and to function and to feel and to emote and to interact. And then it was like, it was just kind of the mind blowing. It never ceases to get those like, you know, hair raising tingles. of like, holy shit. That's so cool. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just where the nerd side of me hit. And that's, yeah, I just, I've never been not fascinated by the brain and the nervous system. Um, it's just quite amazing yeah, that it, it all
0: works. It really is. <laughs> it, it's wild. It, it just, yeah. It, just, it seems like it's like alien, like almost it's like how, how oh, yeah. wild, how wild it is, like how much is going on that we don't think about. I mean, like yep. there's so much, um, yeah. is this might kind of, kind of be like a, a different question, but like, with 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 your background, when growing up and you know, like you were not like diagnosed clinically like, with OCD and ADHD mm-hmm. and all this and anxiety and such. But like when you started learning more about neurosciences, were you able to kind of make a lot more connections between those things? And like, did that help you get through those, or is that something you're still working on? Like like or did it, like that this new knowledge of the neurosciences help you process and get through a lot of that?
1: I think there was definitely a level of understanding that can start to bring clarity to some things. So like understanding the processes of, you know, when it, it is neurotransmitters or firing or, you know, certain circuitry that's getting routed and, and that's why some of these things occur. And obviously, again, when you dig into the psychology side, there's, there's diagnostic criteria and there's, you know, symptoms and ideas. And today more than ever, I mean, I will also admit like today, I don't know if you ever noticed with kids, if I was my, they, every, everyone's got something and they are excited about it. So like I work with kids and they're all like, I have ADD, I have OCD, I have depression. I'm like, how are you guys know this stuff and why are you all proclaiming it? But basically, at this point, we do have all of these like symptoms that we can entrap and say, oh, it's because of your OCD that you kind of resonate with doing certain things or your ADD is why, you know, you like to listen to music all the time or have some interaction. So that stuff, I think, helps you understand and bring some like, grounding to like, it's okay to feel this way. And I think that was a little bit of a light of it's okay to have that, but I'll be perfectly honest. Again, I still can't put my finger on exactly what took me from a point of it being unaware and like being controlled by those thoughts and those actions and whatever against circuitry was going on to being able to recognize when something was running in my mind, when my anxiety was taking over when I was doing some sort of obsessive thinking, I don't know where that clicked, to be honest. And it was somewhere in between the age of 26 and 29. <laughs> so <laughs> throw a dart in those three years and somewhere in there, something started to deviate. And I think a lot of it was partially something that was that. there's also a side, I think, where you start to actively seek, like you want you get exhausted from, the, from whatever it is and it starts affecting you. And you just kind of like, you're like, I'm done. Like I'm done thinking this way or something. And it just, it just clicks. I wish I had a better answer. And it's something I, I'll admit here too, as a coach. It's one of the things that has driven me that I really wish I could help other people that I see have this, because it's, you also start to see people who are maybe in an anxiety in that really high state of anxiety all the time. Maybe they're a little bit obsessive compulsive, maybe it's exercise addition, a, you know, exercise addiction, there we go, <laughs> that they're using to channel that kind of like I did, um, and I'm like, I wish I had the tools to give you, but I don't have that. And I'm sure there's some experts that do. For me, it was sort of a self-exploration of cool. Okay. Thank God it worked, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't entirely know why. Um, and yeah, no, I definitely still, still feel it and struggle with it. But like I was saying, it's, it's this difference now if I can be aware. So I'm pretty self-aware of when these thoughts or anxiety start to come and I can recognize it and almost put it on the table next to me and just be like, okay, cool. Like what's causing it. We're here. It's okay. And it doesn't affect my life. Like it once did. Cause it definitely once did. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank, you
0: for, thank you for sharing that. Um, what is, are there any, like, you know, I'm going to kind of tie maybe some like tactical takeaways here for many um, of our listeners. Is there anything, I mean, I'm sure, you know, with, you know, you, you love doing the research and you're teaching with all this stuff. Like, is there anything that recently you've seen like in the research or anything like that, that has been helpful? Like you've maybe something you started teaching more people you've been working with about things that, you know, just getting through their day in general, like whether like just a, a general health goal that may be related to a neurosciences research that you've seen recently. Does that make, does that question make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it okay. does. It does. I'm trying to think into like the actual narrow work and slash, you know, part of it is, and that's the thing I'll be honest, it took me out of research a little is the research. is very, very myopic and it's fascinating, but what you can actually apply to your life tends to be less so, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there are some fantastic folks out there now that are translating into it. Um, I would say for listeners who are interested in some really cool stuff, um, Andrew Huberman, who I have like. I've never spoken to this man in my life, but I've listened to him (laughs) because he is a neuroscientist. He works out of Stanford university, but he's done a fabulous job of being able to communicate science. And he does touch on a lot of like um, topics of the nervous system and how we can bring in habits like um, breath work techniques, you know, breathing is a huge one nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I think that breath work is fascinating and definitely something that, again, it really taps into our nervous system. Um, And, you know, any sort of meditation, I think this has to come at the person, you have to find something for you that allows you to be in that space where you're with your thoughts and it's okay to just take that time to sit with your thoughts, to process them, to allow them to be there and to accept them and then to move forward with this. Um, And there's a few folks again, who are starting to see more in probably the psychology side that the ability to take the emotion out of some of these thoughts because you're actually there and aware with it and not bringing in you know, other factors can really help you move on with your day in sort of a different mindset. You know, and this can be, again, during a walk or during a just a sit with your eyes closed or lying down or listening to music, just having that time and that space to, again, allow things to process instead of just running through your day without ever taking a moment to allow those thoughts to come to the forefront think is kind of like a pressure cooker idea um and more and more there's definitely those techniques like i was mentioning breath work and meditation all the meditation apps are built off of these ideas um coming forward so nothing again specific into the research of anything groundbreaking that i you know most of it's all of the stuff that we get to hear about at the level of actually applying it Mm -hmm. is built off of the research of past right and stuff we kind of understand
0: Gotcha, yeah. and I and I love that you brought up the breathwork piece. And actually, I just had a um, guest on a few weeks ago, and a few episodes back, that was a breathwork coach and um, Michelle Rains. Cool. and it was a great episode for any of you who are listening and want to learn a little more in, intense, like or in depth um, about breathwork. Definitely go check that mm-hmm. episode out. Um, and then I want to also chat with you about like what do you see like now that you're you know on the research research side of things, and you know, and you know, I'm of course on the healthcare side of things. Where do you see the disconnect between the two?
1: Yeah, I think that, if that's an interesting question, because <laughs> I've been, it's something I also was trying to like figure out, right? And I think the huge side of it is research is a very slow thing because whatever we think about and we want to test, we want to test it to a point where we can be pretty sure of it, right? Mm-hmm. The human itself and, and in the healthcare, you're dealing with a very sort of instantaneous thing. You're dealing with a lifespan of a human. Most research doesn't come to conclusion, even really within a lifespan of a human to apply it, Mm -hmm. right? We find the answer and we have to then try it out. And then we have to try some intervention to fix whatever we possibly think is broken. And that takes some time. And eventually it'll come to light that we can use it in with people. When you're, I feel like healthcare is more that front lines. They get to take, you know, what's happening in the academic and the research and then apply it. But even I think between the healthcare, and this is something that, you know, again, your insight, why I feel it's very honorable and brilliant that folks in healthcare are starting to branch into what I would say, like lifestyle and health coaching are intertwined because there's another step there that, you know, you have the research and the understanding of the body, and then you have the human in the actual life of the human. And then you have the context of that human. Right. Because even in healthcare, we don't have, we take into account that acute side of what's going on and maybe something to fix. What the hell is the rest of it happening? Right. And you know, as an NCI coach, like what is that person doing every day of their life that could be causing some chronic ailment that is really impeding them. And we have some fantastic things in healthcare to help fix that, which all stem from things we did in research to try Mm -hmm. to find the answers. But what does that actually do to the human at the other end of it? It ends up being more again, more of a lab rat, more of an intervention state. And it's just in a very like isolated aspect that we're not considering the human as a whole and their life and their context. And I feel like that's that integration of taking what research gets to tell us about the knowledge and information, bringing in the healthcare aspect of how do we again, focus on things that you know maybe are acute and do need to be addressed in a, in a medical way. But then bringing in the lifestyle and the holistic side of a coach and, okay, well, how do we make your whole life able to do this? And then forever, not just yeah. right now, you know, we're not just going to save you now. We're going to just improve your life and increase your entire health span so that for all the years you're alive, you're living well, and you're fulfilled. And that's a very powerful trio. But I think that, as you said, there's just disconnects in there and I'm not sure where they are. I think it's a little bit maybe of just a bias that when people are in a certain camp, they stay in that camp. Um, so, you know, research, research is the best healthcare, healthcare is the best coaches are like, well, coaching is a very new field. Let's just say, so <laughs> yes, I, I think it that's, is. that's a side. Yeah. And, and, you know,
0: I, I, and I talked a lot about this I actually made it when I announced, you know, publicly with like, you know, all, all my followers and it's on Instagram and all those places that I was going to be leaving nursing and going into a full-time coaching role. One of the main reasons was it's because I, I saw that disconnect of like, it's like healthcare is almost like sick care. And it it really just bugs me so much because, and, and, you know, I was great. I was honored to be able to see both sides of the spectrum, you know, when I was working as a coach and working as a nurse at the same time, because as a coach, I can like help you, you know, prevent these problems that you're going to lead up to, you know, bad health outcomes later on in life. And then as a nurse, I saw people coming in, I was, I worked in the ER I see people coming to the ER that were super sick. And, you know, a lot of times we're you know, overweight and I'm not just saying you, you, if you're sick, you're overweight, but like, just, I would see these correlations and I'm all, and I, I would always think once I knew what coaching was, it was like, what if mm-hmm. they had someone in their life ahead of that to stop yeah. them, prevent them from getting to that point,
1: yeah. you know,
0: prevent the diabetes, prevent the heart disease, prevent the strokes, prevent, all these problems that they're having now later in life. What if someone yeah. would have stepped in a few years back? And, and that's why, I mean, I've, I've really have fallen in love with like that, that beginning process to stop it mm-hmm. where it's at. I mean, there's yeah. even like, there's a few clients that I work with now. They're in their sixties that I love working with because it's like, we're improving their quality of life. And it's like, you know, now they're going to the doctors, getting off their medicines they're getting, you know, they're, and all these people feel like that, you know, it's too late in life. It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's just the very beginning. Like, there's so much more that you have, and yeah. like, let's get in front of these problems and stop them. Like, so much of your lifestyle can be changed and will change your future life and lifestyle.
1: Well, absolutely! I mean, that preventative, right? It is. That's why I was, coaching is really like preventative medicine. It really and is. it is. It's yeah. It's like let's let's stop something before it becomes a problem instead of trying to solve the problem. But I think people are so it's so easy and there's other side, like, I don't know if you've ever been in health, some define it as the absence of disease, right? And I think that that leaves things on the table because the other side of that is you can be disease-free, but what is the rest of your health also saying? You know, what is your fulfillment of life? What is your passions driving you? And all of this stuff. So it's not just the absence of disease, but it's the opportunity to be fulfilled in every aspect, right? So you don't just want to be like at a mediocre level of nothing's wrong and nothing's great. Like, let's really try to optimize try to find that um I always wonder I think too I think the way that our society is is a little bit of a breeding ground for this though because we tend to have so much going on that we don't notice when shit's going wrong until it's all fucked up mm-hmm. and I think that's why healthcare does so well because it's like sure just go out and screw around it's like fuck around and find out <laughs> we're here to fix you right yep and we're finally I think we're finally coming out of this cloud of realizing like holy shit that we are so busy and we're so integrated with stuff that we are letting things get out of hand really fast. And now they're not fixable all the time. And so people are taking a step back and going, hold on, maybe we do need to work on fixing things and improving things, optimizing things before we ever get to that point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing how that happens, right? Cause it's like a blink of an eye and you don't notice. And it, I think, again, you know, you mentioned with your weight, I mentioned with driving myself into the ground through, like exercise addiction, you don't notice when it's happening. You just notice when it's done. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> you just hit rock bottom. You're like, shit. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's
0: not even, and it's not even like that. You have to hit rock bottom. I know, like for me personally, like I didn't have like a, a health scare. You know, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. have like lost a lot of weight. It's like you know, they have a heart attack or they, you know, some something, some big health scare happens that makes them mm-hmm. want to change. I didn't have that. Mine was more or less, you know, mine started with like a challenge with a friend, but that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But but where I noticed this is I didn't know what good felt like because Mm. I had become so adapted and used to what the old me felt all the time. Like, I didn't know what good energy felt like. I I thought I felt fine. Like here, I knew like I wasn't in great health, but I was like, I I function every day. Like I go to work. I, I have no problems. Like, yeah. But then as soon as, because that's all I knew, that's all, that's how I grew up. And that's how I survived. And, but then as soon as I did make those changes, it's like, wow, this is what good energy looks like. This is what good sleep looks like. And it's like, you know, you start realizing what good actually looks like. So I think that's another thing is people don't realize is like what good actually is rather than, you know, because if you come so used to it, you don't know what it is. Yeah. No, I a
1: hundred percent agree. I think that's, that's just a huge thing. And and it's one of those things, too, you, until you experience it, you don't know. So it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to get people to feel that. But I think, again, as coaches, and it's one thing that I think NCI teaches very well, is you just do the little changes, the 1% changes that don't seem like anything until you start to realize that you're feeling different. And then, you know, just naturally, you make those links. As smart human beings, we make those links. So we go, huh, well, that little change caused this little change. What else is out there? And then Mm -hmm. that's why having someone to guide you, to bring you to, like you said, to that feeling of, oh, this is how I could feel. This is what life could be like. Then your eyes are opened and then you don't want to go back the other way. But it takes good coaches to get people to that point. And that's, I think that's the little bit of the uphill battle we're at right now, where thank God we have places, you know, again, that are able to help bring coaches to that and and get those tools. um, Because I think that's going to be paramount and- but it's a little bit of an uphill battle because also this industry of health and fitness (laughs) has been bastardized. (laughs) So so just a little, (laughs) just a small amount. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, before we wrap up here, I want to always ask my um, guests who come on the show, you know, again, going back to more, some like tactical information and, and this can go from any direction you'd like it to go from, but. What are two, three, two or three things that people could do if they're working on their health journey, but things that maybe, you know, and I'd love for you to like, even take this from like a research perspective, like as far as like yeah. maybe some, some things that you've recently heard, um, that they could start doing to change their life and improve their life, whether it's weight loss or just better health in general, what, what can they do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing I'll say that again, we'll reflect back to I was mentioning before this way of detaching from thoughts you know, more and more we're seeing the ability to be out in nature, be outside. Okay. We're understanding more and more again, how this can potentially change our way of thinking. So returning to a little bit of a human root, you know, finding something again, that you are out in the weather, in the sun in the rain, whatever it is back to nature. Okay. Like there is a fundamental physiological and mental shift that happens. We are humans after all. And yes, VR is a reality. Yes, the multiverse is a reality. And, you know, it's becoming one. That's that's fine. Yeah. But you're still a human in a human body. And your body and your mind will love the fact that you are going to allow it to be human again. So being out there. And that comes again, you know, there's plenty of little tactics in there that people talk about that cause physiological changes. Of Again, just fresh air and sunshine and cold water plunges and, you know, being certain amounts of time. And there's all these little... I'd say protocols that you can follow, you know, but I think ultimately it's just find something that makes you feel human, go outside and play, you know, be in the dirt, be in the grass, move around. On that same note, another side of being outside, being in the dirt, it follows transformation. Again, we are humans and we live now in a world where we understand that viruses and germs and pathogens are around us all the time, Mm -hmm. but allowing your immune system to grow through again, some of this exposure of, you know, we know how important our gut bacteria is. So eating local foods when you can, you know, it's not always reachable. It's not always, but eating something that was grown in the garden, even if you just grow some herbs and you're able to eat that of the soil that you used, right. If you have a local place that you can get some organic food from an organic farm that you can go help them. You know, if you're lucky enough to live in a place where you can go help them do something and get some food from them, a CSA, you know, supporting that. Um, it's obviously not tangible for everyone and, and that's understandable. So in that vein, just understanding that what you do put in your body, think again, I think my big thing is think back to being human, right? So what would it, what does your body sort of want? I mean, it's not going to want the 16 chemical long name, right? It wants the single ingredient food that you would have gone out and foraged. Mm -hmm. So even if it's just a small part of your diet, but adding that into your diet, you know, having something again, that is really fueling you as your physical being is going to translate across the board into your life. And it's pretty simple right? So I think just taking that time in those moments, whether it be again, just getting outside for 10 minutes a day and wandering around to going on hikes and adventures to growing some food for yourself to just eating some, you know, again, raw natural food, you know, don't have to be raw, but you know, what I'm (laughs) saying like, just like something that at one point grew out of the dirt or walked around on the earth. I'm very (laughs) undogmatic with diet with that. But I do think that when we think about food and, and what it does internally to our gut system and how that can affect our minds and our mental state because of our whole gut brain access, we want to give it things that again, it, it's, it's beneficial, that's fueling it, that's packed with vitamins and minerals. And um, yeah, I mean, that from a health perspective, I would say that more and more the science is pointing more and more towards this idea of, it's very interesting, if you'll notice, and that's what I think you'll see a lot of promoted, right, is it's almost a reversion away from, it's like, let's, let's go back to being human because that's going to be our Mm -hmm. path to health. And it's like curious. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Basically let's let's return to about 50 years ago in terms of what we're eating and how we're active. And, you know, so yeah, I would say that's kind of the tangible side, which still wasn't tangible because apparently the life of me speak in that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who let me teach. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no that's great you know, thank you for sharing those and um and when you were saying the movement thing i was also thinking about i wanted to ask you real quick when did you get into parkour i think that is so cool
1: yeah it's been a little over a year and it was um it's one of the things that also i think i you know i speak of being human so parkour has this fantastic like pursuit of human potential and pushing your boundaries and your limits and it it was accumulation for me of like wanting to experience the world and move and, and just be free just very free in my body so about a year and a half ago almost when i moved to colorado um nice. i moved to fort collins colorado that's right and i remember
0: you saying because yeah you let you, you i was living in longmont for a while when i was traveling nice.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we were in the yeah same spot yeah. yeah um but the whole northern california right on the front range but yeah, yeah or northern california colorado that's where i was before california oh. anyway Uh, Yeah. So I'm in Fort Collins and there's a gym here um, called outrun parkour. And it was just, again, a happy chance of the quarantines were over. I said, Hey, can I come experience this? And it was just like head over heels. This is amazing. Like these, these humans are again, just living and and playing and, you know, they're Mm -hmm. crawling, they're jumping, they're climbing, they're swinging. And it's just this abandonment of going back to being a, a kid in your body where you don't care. I mean, it's beautiful when you start looking at it and you see how people can film it. I mean, they care how people kind of see it because it looks beautiful, but it's mm-hmm. art and the actual movement itself. It's not, it's for them, it's for their expression in the environment around them. It's so real, it's that moment. And I think that that just took my mind to where I wanted to be in terms of my movement practice. Um, and I fell in love with it. Now, I am still a baby of babies, I am the clutsiest. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm still like, let me just fall over all these obstacles and, um, but. There's something very freeing about, again, returning to that ability to just, just move just like a kid would move, yeah. you know, yeah. it's human. So That's
0: right. awesome. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a great chat and I know it'll help a lot of people.
1: Well, well I really appreciate talking to you and, um, hopefully I'll see you around in the NCI space. I know that all the coaches in the community, again, you're another addition to a just fucking fantastic group. Like I could not be more than excited and proud to be at all a part of that. Um, and I'm excited that you're a part of it and, you know, we'll keep growing together and keep bringing more coaches to the light and impacting as many people as possible. So Absolutely. gotta love it.
0: Well, where can people find you if they want to reach out and chat with you about anything?
1: Can find me on Facebook, my full name, Instagram as well. Um, the handles at K dot K tech, K T E K. And, um, you can watch some. <laughs> attempts at parkour on that as well. Um, absolutely. And yeah, and find me in that, in those two spaces, feel free to reach out a message or anything like that. I'm, I'm, happy to chat and, um, get, give you probably more than a mouthful of what I think. So yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. And guys, I'll put all that in the show notes as well. All right, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Have a great rest of your day.
1: Thanks Chase. I'll see you around.
0: Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Shades and Health podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.